Hey, high schoolers, you are dismissed um, to your class. So high schoolers, have a wonderful time. You know, it's interesting when, um, you know, you talk to people and you ask them about their careers and you say, how are things going? And most people say, yeah, it's going okay. But there are just so many unhappy people out there, especially in the area where they work. You know, it could be the people that you work with, your fellow employees. You know, it could be your boss. But a lot of times, people's unhappiness is just because they're doing what they really don't like to do. They're doing it because they have to earn a paycheck. And I get that. I get that. Because I was out in the workforce also, you know, before I, you know, became a pastor. And being a supervisor at the airport, you know, getting screamed at and yelled at and cussed at by angry passengers is not fun. But in the midst of this, you know, I could see how God created me, that God could use me in this area. And despite all of that, despite all the pressure that I felt on a day-to-day basis, I was able to enjoy work. And this is what we're going to be, the series we're going through with the Shaped series now. And, you know, when, this is uh, a, a concept that really changed my life, is to understand how God created me. And once I understood this, it made all of my decisions easier. Where my choices of career had nothing to do with the monetary rewards that I could get. But how was I created? How was I created? And if you could get this, and I said before, you young people, you high school students, you college students, you young adults, if you could get this and start choosing your career pathways, your major based upon how God created you and not the financial gain that you gain from your salary, you're going to be ahead of the the game. You're going to be starting your career a lot further than we did. And you'll most likely be a lot more satisfied than people like my generation were when we started our career. Because when we chose a career, it was all about what? It was all about the salary. It was all about the prestige. That is not going to make you happy. For those of us who've tried that, I guarantee you, it's a black hole. There's nothing on this other side of that door. But if you could get this... In parents, you know, if you could start training your kids now to recognize the uniqueness that God has given them, the the gifts and the talents that God has given your children, and you start raising them in those ways, your kids will be a lot further along than I was when I was growing up. And, you know, last week we talked about that God makes masterpieces and that we are all a unique masterpiece in God and that when we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, we were transformed. The Bible says that we are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And I said, you know, before we came to Christ, we were like an off-road vehicle. We were like a Humvee where basically we were built to experience adventure, go on these bumps, you know, and just enjoy this crazy and wild ride. But then all of a sudden, God 
got a hold of us and he transformed us and he transformed us into a Ferrari 812 super fast and a Ferrari 812 super fast was not meant to go off-roading right a Ferrari was meant to be in a condition where it could take its 12 cylinders and just go you know a flat surface a smooth surface but to go really really fast And that's what we were created for. And there's no turning back. There's no turning back. It's like that song says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Why? Because you're a Ferrari right now. You try to go off-roading and your life's going to be miserable. And so part of this whole series is as believers, we are only uh, truly satisfied when we live our lives in a way that brings glory and honor to God. That is the only way we will be ever fulfilled and satisfied. Anything else than that, we will not be um, satisfied. Why? Because we're changed. We're completely different. And God's not going to change us back. So we have a choice to make. Are we going to you know, operate on that racetrack? on that Autobahn, or are we going to try to take our Ferrari off-road? Okay. And today, one of the ways where we could allow our V12 engine, man, to just go from 0 to 60 in 2.8 seconds is to use our spiritual gifts. When you operate in your spiritual gifts, then you are being utilized in the way that God created you to be. You're that new creation. And even in the church sometimes, there are so much um, people that just aren't satisfied. Because why? They're serving in areas where they're just not gifted. Or maybe they don't know, you don't know your spiritual gifts and you're serving in these areas. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to teach you about spiritual gifts. Now, we can only hit the tip of the iceberg. But at least, hopefully, we could get you thinking about this. And the spiritual gifts, it's kind of like Christmas, right? I remember when, you know, Michael was young. Man, there was this one day of the year, December 25th. You you try to get him up right now. Michael, get up. It's 11 o'clock. I'm tired. It's 12 o'clock. Get up. I'm tired. However... Back then, when he was a kid, December 25th, like 4 o'clock in the morning, he got, Daddy, Mommy, let's go. You know, come on, we got to open a present. I got to see what Santa brought us. And every Christmas, for whatever reason, that guy was able to get himself at 4 o'clock. It was still dark, right? And said, Michael, go back to bed. No, we got to go. Why, he was so excited to see his presents. His gifts. And it's like that when God gives us these gifts. And if, you know, we should be just like that. God, I can't wait to open our gifts. I can't wait to utilize our gifts. And so if you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 12, um, chapter 12, verse 1. I'm sorry. And the Apostle Paul starts off by saying, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. 
So he's saying, okay, guys, I'm going to be talking about spiritual gifts, and this is important, and so I want you to all listen up. But then he says spiritual gifts, and the Greek word for uh, gift is the same word we use for grace, which is unmerited favor given to us by God. It's not something that we deserve or earn, that God just gives them to us because he knows that we can only be fulfilled. He knows the greatness he sees in all of us that he uniquely created us to be and that he's gifted us to be great. Not to reach status, but we could all be great. And he gave us these gifts. It's like Christmas. But a lot of us at times, including myself, don't see these as spiritual gifts. A lot of times we look at them as spiritual responsibilities, right? Don't you sometimes, right? Instead of, whoa, it's a spiritual gift. I can't wait to go out to use it. It's like, oh, God, you give me a spiritual responsibility. Oh, I've got to lead a committee meeting with this gift of administration. Or, oh, I've got to go and serve somebody because you give me the gifts of helps. I don't want to set up chairs. This is a responsibility. It's a chore. It's not a gift, right? But we all get lit. We all get it that way, right? We've all been there. You might be there right now where it's not a spiritual gift. It's a spiritual responsibility. But, but. You know, if we could change our thinking and see it as a gift and not a responsibility, you're going to start seeing God doing some amazing things in not only your life, in the people around you. So the question is, what is a spiritual gift? If we go to the next slide, please. It says, a spiritual gift is a God-given ability given to every believer at conversion by the Holy Spirit to share his love and strengthen the body of Christ. You know, it's a God-given ability, given to what? Every believer. And it's meant so each one of us could share God's love and also strengthen his body. And um, let's go to uh, Corinthians 12, verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And so we see two principles here. It says, now to each one. The manifestation of the Spirit is given. So what that's telling us is if you are a believer here, that you have a spiritual gift. You guys all understand that? If you here are a believer, you have at least one spiritual gift. And this is a promise. Because I know some people say, oh, you know, God didn't give me anything. You know, I'm not good at anything. It seems like everything I do in the church, it just blows up, you know. But, no, 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 no. God has given each one of you a spiritual gift. So, I want you to remember that. I want you to think about that. And the second thing that we see is a believer is to use his or her spiritual gifts to build the body of Christ. Because he says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Okay, it wasn't given for yourself. 
It wasn't given so people could say, whoa, look at Pastor Dave. He's such a wonderful at this. He's such wonderful at that. I wish I could be like that. No. The spiritual gifts were given not for you. Not so you could feel, oh, I'm so blessed because I'm skilled at this. No. The spiritual gifts were given so you could build the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. Verse 11 says, All these are the work of the one and same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So the next principle here, the first one is that, okay, we all have spiritual gifts, at least one. The second one was that your spiritual gifts were used to build up the body, not you. And the third thing is the Holy Spirit is the one who determines who gets spiritual gifts. You can't pick and choose what spiritual gifts that you get. Why? Because it's the Spirit who gives it to you. It's not like kids at lunch, right? Where they all open up their bag, sack lunches, and go, oh, man, bologna sandwich again? You want to trade? You know, oh, look at I've got carrots and apples. Well, you got Lay's potato chips. You want to trade potato chips for carrots and apple? <laughs> you know? It's not like that. It's not like we could take a look at our, open our spiritual gifts and say, man, God gave me this one. You want to trade? Oh, God, can you give me another one? Right? No. God made each one of you unique. God sees your potential. God has a plan for you, and God gave you your gifts because they were perfect for you and you alone. And he has a role for you and you alone to play. And so the problem we get is when we compare ourselves with people with other spiritual gifts. And we're going to talk about that later, especially those who have supernatural gifts. You're going, wow, that person has a gift of healing. Whoa, that person has a gift of miracles. Whoa, you know, this person has a gift of prophecy. Who do I have? I have the gift of helps. You know what? You know they're giving prophetic words. I'm setting up chairs. You know, or you know they're healing people, and I'm putting pens in the back of each chair. You know, well they're doing these great things. No, putting pens in the back of chairs is just as important as prophesying. Because there are so many times when I wanted to write a note, and I'm looking in the back of these chairs, and I couldn't find a pen. And so I had to, I had to forget, I forgot what I was going to say because there wasn't a pen in the back of that chair, you know. So putting pens in the back of the chair is important, you know. You know, how many people are um, taking notes? Because why? Because of the pen that's in the back of that chair, right? You may not be prophesying, but people are taking notes. They are learning about the gospel. They're learning more about God. Why? Because you put the pen in the back of the chair. Okay, so, like I said, God is the one who determines who gets the gifts. We should accept them with gladness rather than to try to compare them with other people. So the question is, how do we discover our spiritual gifts? Because I've got a spiritual gift, right? I've got it. God, God says I've got a spiritual gift. I don't know what it is. So it, 
if it's supposed to um, make me great in the kingdom of God, if I could do great things for God, you know, you got a new spiritual gift, so how do you do that? Well, the first thing we do is to examine what gifts you might have, meaning you have to know what the spiritual gifts are. And you could take those through assessments. Um, I printed out one. And, you know, I printed about copy, uh, about 50 copies, and they're going to be at the uh, welcome lunch sign-up table. Because I knew if I gave them out now, you're all going to be doing it, working on it when I'm doing the sermon. Right? So just go see Amy. They'll be at the table if you wanted one print. On the uh, weekly challenge, I also have a, a website you could go to, and you just answer a few questions, and it kind of tallies it up. But you know what? You know, that's one way to determine your spiritual gifts. But it's not foolproof. It's not foolproof. Because, you know, when, you know, the people were writing this Bible, the people in the Church of Corinth, they didn't have a computer. You know, they didn't have an assessment. You know, so there's other ways to determine your gifts. And another way is to serve in various roles to see which one brings you the greatest sense of fulfillment and results for God. Just try it out. You know, for the, you know, we're a small church here, and you know, you know, certain, you know, you know, it's not like we have a plethora of ministries like in a large church, but you know, you at least try to volunteer somewhere. It doesn't have to be long term, short term. Just try it out and volunteer and see what happens. See what happens. The third one is <clears throat> to seek out other believers to confirm your spiritual gifts. Seek out other believers. Right, Because you take those assessments, and you and I have taken enough, enough assessments where we could pretty much get the results we want based upon how we answer those assessments, right? Personality tests, right? Or whatever. You know, those career tests, placement tests. You know, you answer all these questions, you'll get the answer you want. Oh, I'm supposed to be a doctor. You know, because you answered all those questions, right? No. But... The people around you, your brothers and sisters in Christ, they see you. They could see what you're good at. And a lot of times, they are the best way to confirm your spiritual gifts is through other believers. But, okay, so let's say I have a spiritual gift. Now, the first thing when you have a spiritual gift, you think, okay, this is powered by the Spirit. Man, I'm going to be excellent right from the get-go. No. Just like everything else, spiritual gifts need to be developed. Spiritual gifts need to be um, developed. And this is what Rick Warren says, you know, the pastor at Saddleback. Whatever gifts you have been given can be enlarged and developed through practice. Don't settle for a half-developed gift. Stretch yourself and learn all you can, right? Don't just settle like, okay, I got a spiritual gift and I'm just going to either not use it or I'm just going to just try it and not practice it. If you want to get good at anything, whether it's sports, uh, music, art, school, whatever, what do you have to do? You have to practice. You know, this is something that if we want to be serious about our faith, we need to put some work into it, right? If we want to grow spiritually, it just doesn't happen like that. You don't just put your Bible under your pillow, and then hopefully that somehow through osmosis you'll get it. It doesn't work that way. If we want to grow in our faith, we need to put some work into it. But see, God expects us to use 
our spiritual gifts. God expects us to use our spiritual gifts. Because in Scripture, we see the principle of stewardship. In Matthew 25, 19 to 20, Jesus talks or shares a parable of a business owner. And this business owner goes on a business trip and he leaves his employees with some money to manage. And he gives one employee five five bags of silver. He gives another employee two bags of silver to manage. And the last employee, he gave one bag of silver to manage. And so let's pick this up. So if you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to Matthew 25, 19 through 25. And this, this, isn't, this isn't going to be up there, so you'll just have to listen to me. After a long time, the master returned from his trip, and he called them to give an account of how they use his money. So he each given them a certain amount of silver now, to manage. So he's back from his business trip, and he wants to see how his uh, money did. And it says, The servant whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have five more. He took that five bags of silver, he invested it, and he doubled his boss's um, investment. And the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you more responsibility. Let's celebrate together. And the servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two silver <clears throat> bags of silver to invest, and now I have Earn two more. And the master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You had been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops that you didn't cultivate. I was afraid to lose your money. So I hid it in the earth, and here's your money back. And so this last one took that one bag of silver, but he was afraid to lose it. So what he did is he buried it, and he gave it back, and he said, Well, you know what? I I was afraid that you would get angry if the investment didn't do well. So here's that one bag you gave me. At least I didn't lose anything. It's what you gave me. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in a bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Now, the point here is not about, you know, well, the people with five bags are special, more special than the people that got two or one. No. What the principle here is God's given them each different talents. You know, some people are five bags of silver type people, talented people. Others are two bags of silver, talented type people. And some are one um, talented bag of silver. What God expects is that he that we take what we give them, whether it's five, two, or one, and to do something with it. Not to bury it. Not to bury it. Why? 
Because God gave us these um, spiritual gifts to build up the kingdom. And so God expects each one of us to do something to expand his kingdom. That's what we are called to do. And what happens when we bury that spiritual gifts? Well, we don't play our role in expanding God's kingdom when he wants us to do that. He wants us to um, use our gifts to build up the body. You know, for me, one of my gifts, I believe in, it's been confirmed as teaching. Now, I'm not a five bags, I'm not a five bags of silver type of a teacher. Okay, that's Andy Stanley. That's Rick Warren. You know, those guys are the, you know, five talent bags of silver teachers. You know, I, I consider myself more of a one bag you know, talent type of a teacher. I'm not going to affect hundreds of thousands of people. For the most part, you know, my teaching is right here. You know, the, the people here. But over the years, I may not have been impacted hundreds of thousands, even millions of people like these five, you know, talent bags of silver preachers. But hopefully I've impacted people. But that had to be developed. Because when I first started teaching, I was in college. And my college advisors saw something in, in me. And they started me on that path. And this is why being, whether you're a high school advisor, a junior high advisor, college advisor, you guys play an integral part in the lives of these kids. Because my life was impacted by my college advisor who saw something in me And so they said, Dave, I'd like you to start teaching the lessons. And they gave me a little training. Sometimes I did well. Other times they talked to me afterwards and, Dave, that was bad. I go, yeah, I know it was bad. You know, it had to be developed. I didn't start off as the teacher I am today. It took years and years and years and years of practicing. Years and years and years of studying. And years and years and years of finding out what works and what doesn't. And usually what I found out that what doesn't work is because I tried it and I failed and it didn't work. And this is why each one of you should not be afraid of failing. Because this is the way we learn. And at Mission Valley, I want to see people fail. Not in a bad way. Because at least that's telling me that you're trying. At least that's showing me that you are going out of your comfort zone to try something. We all fail. We all make mistakes. And that's okay as long as we learn from them. But it's through those process of trying and making mistakes and learning. And that's how we grow. Some of us are so afraid to make mistakes. I used to be like that. And that really stunted my spiritual growth and my social growth and my whole life. Until I realized that making mistakes is a part of growing. And that should embrace that rather than uh, uh, fear that. And some of you are saying, you know what? I know I'm supposed to use my gifts, but I'm not in a good place right now. My life is just in shambles. But you know what? God blesses you when you serve him in the midst of difficulty in trial.
If you look through the Bible, there are just countless stories of people who were going through hard and difficult times, and yet they still chose to serve God. God, my life is a mess right now, but I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to serve you anyway. And you don't have to do something big with your spiritual gift. You don't have to start a ministry. You don't have to to commit to something long-term. But if you have the gift of mercy, even though your life's not going well right now, you could still listen to someone. Maybe God threw you a curveball. And you're going, man, God, I didn't see those happen. And man, I feel like I need to be taken out of the game. But if you have the gift of encouragement, you can give an uplifting and positive word to someone in need of encouragement. It doesn't have to be big in scope, but the impact could be huge. And you just don't know it. So just because you're in a bad place doesn't mean that... I should take a break from using my spiritual gifts. If you're in a bad place right now, this is exactly what you need to be doing because God blesses you when you serve him despite your circumstances. So you want to be blessed? You want to be blessed? Use your spiritual gifts even though life may not be going well for you. You know, it happens to me. You know, recently, you know, I did a sermon. And, you know, when we had Pastor Phil here, we had a rhythm. Well, I'd do three sermons, and then he'd preach. I'd do three, and then he'd preach. And that was a good rhythm for me, because I feel like I'm good for about maybe four sermons in a row. Five, I'm kind of pushing it. Why? Because I'm a one-talent, you know, teacher, not a five-talent um, teacher. <clears throat> but anyway, after he left, I had to do ten in a row. Are you coming up to your 10th sermon? You know, I'm standing up here. You know, I'm trying to hold it together. I said, God, please do something with this sermon. It's falling apart on me. I know it, and you probably know it. I'm saying, Lord, how do I get out of here? Can I just say amen and close a prayer? You know, and this is all go home. And no matter, you're, you're up here, I'm thinking a mile a minute. It was like being in quicksand. You know, I just kept on sinking. And for me, you know, teaching is important. It really is. And I take it seriously. And when I do, I feel I do a less than uh, adequate job or I don't meet my expectations, I go into this funk. And Grace knows it. My wife Grace knows it. Don't talk to me on Sunday. Just let me go home and sun. Just let me go home, go in bed, pull the sheets over my head and just lie there. You know, and I go into a state of kind of pseudo depression, and I come out on Tuesday. (laughs) I come out on Tuesday, and it's like, okay, I got to start on next week. But it was just one of those Sundays where I know it didn't go well, right? And I was, I was just, you know, after I finished, I go down and go, Lord, I don't feel like worshiping. I just feel like getting. I just feel like going home to my bed, right? But I remember afterwards, this one person came up to me and said, "Thank you so much." For your sermon. It really spoke to me. And this is why. And I'm just going. Whoa. God. You were able to use that. You know. I had nothing in the tank. But you used that. And that was one of the first Sundays. I didn't go home. And want to just go to bed. And pull the covers over my head. You know. I was excited. Why? Because in the midst of my weariness. In the midst of my tiredness. God used me. 
to speak to at least one person. That one person. That made all the difference. So you never know. You never know the impact that you could make if life isn't going your way and you choose to build up the body of Christ. All it takes is that one kind word. You know, all it takes, if you have the gift of giving, that one act of kindness that you show to somebody who in need, that'll make a multiple of difference. God will bless you. Finally, your spiritual gifts need to be expressed in love. Your spiritual gifts need to be expressed in love. It says, if I speak in tongues of men, in 1 Corinthians 13.1, it says, if I speak in um, tongues of men or angels, and for those of you who know what tongues is, that's just a utterance that the Holy Spirit gives you. Now when it says tongues of men, that's um, speaking in a known language. And we've seen missionaries utilize that gift. Would be like if I go to, you know, Japan. I don't speak Japanese, right? But the God gives me the gift of tongues. And then all of a sudden, he gives me the ability to speak and understand Japanese. And that's through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, that's speaking in a known language. And missionaries have, you know, u- utilized that gift to minister. And the other is of angels. And that's an unintelligible tongue that we can't um, <clears throat> understand. But people have that gift. That God gives them a word. God gives them an utterance. But then God has also gifted people to interpret that. And so in order you put those two together, it builds up the body of Christ. And you may think, well, those are marvelous gifts. And they are. But what does it say? But if I do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. Wow. You know, if you're using these gifts and everyone's going, wow, that's so wonderful. But if there is no love in your heart, man, to God, it's like, stop it. You're like this loud gong symbol. You're hurting my ears. You're hurting my ears. You're not building up the body of Christ. You're just hurting my ears. If you don't have love. If you don't have love. It goes on. If you have the gift of prophecy. Gift of prophecy is foretelling. Now some, sometimes the gift of prophecy is saying, Thus saith the Lord and speaking a word of scripture. Other people have the gift of prophecy that God has given them things about a person or their future that you would need to know. So either you could pray for them or you could minister them or you could tell them. And I have been blessed by people who have spoken a word of prophecy in my life who at the time when they told me, Dave, I, I, I'm, I, I'm getting this picture for you, but I sense this. Does it make sense to you? And nine times out of ten I said no. Right? But then it comes to pass, right? Or they're the people I run away from. Because it's like, okay, God, you revealed the secret sin to them. I know I sinned. You know I sinned. I don't want them to know. You know, so I was like, Dave, you want to know what God gave me for you? No! You know, <laughs> don't tell me. I don't want to know. La, 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 la. You know, I don't want to hear any sin that I've done. You know, but, you know, God uses the gift of prophecy to uplift people. And it's a great gift. But he says... And if you could fathom all mysteries and have all knowledge, and even if you have the gift of faith that could move mountains, but if you do not have love, I am nothing. 
if I give all I possess, if I have the gift of giving, if I, have the, if I give all I possess to the poor and give my body over to hardship that I may um, boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. You know, especially for those of you who have supernatural gifts, whether it's prophecy or healing or uh, speaking or interpreting tongues or miracles, if you guys have those supernatural gifts, if you have love, it doesn't mean anything. God blesses us when we operate in our giftedness and when it's combined or it comes out of love. Love for God and love for his people and love for his body. That's when all cylinders start firing. Each one of you have been gifted for greatness. Oh, some of you said, Dave, I don't see this. But God does. God knows how great you could be. And he's given you those gifts in order so you could be great in an area that's unique to you. And he's just saying, I, God wants so badly for us to experience that greatness. God wants so badly for us to impact the kingdom in a way that he uniquely created us. But once again, it's our choice. It's our choice. Are we going to be a Ferrari and operate in the areas that are suitable where a Ferrari could run? Or are we going to still try to be that Humvee? It's our choice. But what's a weekly challenge? I want you to read um, 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 13, the entire chapter, because it gives you more of an uh, <clears throat> overview of spiritual gifts. And if you don't know your spiritual gifts, take a spiritual gifts assessment. And like I said, Amy will have some at her um, the, uh, <clears throat> volunteer lunch. You know, pick it up. It's a written one. Or for those like me who just, you know, don't like to write and think a whole lot, you know, you could go to www.freeshapetest.com. And what you do is not only will they score your test, they'll give you like your top three spiritual gifts and or some of your spiritual gifts. So go to that website. And, and you know, if you don't have a camera, I see some of you picture taking pictures. Just you know, write it down. The next one, please. Next slide. Volunteer in a ministry where you, to practice your spiritual gifts. You know, if you think you have the gift of teaching, maybe talk to um, Kiki. You know, get background checked, and maybe you know, go in as a you know a Sunday school teacher's aide, where you could just sit in a classroom, right? Just try something. It doesn't have to be permanent. Just try it out. If you think you have the gift of giving, try giving uh, somebody something. But try it. Then, this is what I want you to do. If you still don't know, seek out fellow believers who can help you confirm your spiritual gifts. Because they see you. You know, they see your giftedness. And the problem is, we can't see our giftedness because we think it's so easy that everybody could do it. But that's not true. Everybody can't do it. I do not have the gift of giving, right? You know, I, there's a lot of I, administration, definitely not one of my gifts, right? Probably one of my lowest abilities. 
but God gifted me in others where other people could see. So why don't we do that, and would you please join me in prayer?